Hello and welcome to the Respiratory Inspirations podcast. I'm your host, Raed Wake, chairman of the Respiratory Institute at Cleveland Clinic. This podcast of short, digestible episodes is intended for patients and their families and covers topics related to respiratory health and disease. My colleagues and I will be interviewing experts about timeless and timely topics in the areas of lung disease, severe critical illness, allergy, sleep, and infectious disease. Our goal is to help you stay informed in order to take better care of yourself and your loved ones. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Respiratory Inspirations. I'm your host, Peter Mazzone, the section head of the Thoracic Oncology Program for the Respiratory Institute at the Cleveland Clinic. And my guest today is Dr. Umberto Choi. Dr. Choi established and currently directs the Smoking Cessation Program for the Cleveland Clinic Health System and he's the leader of clinical operations for the Thrasca Oncology Program at our main campus. Welcome, Umberto. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Umberto, I wonder if you could start by telling us, you know, around how many people in the United States smoke cigarettes? So the last numbers come from two years ago, from 2020, and the estimated number of people who smoke, uh, the adults who smoke, are more than 30 million people in the United States. That translates to about 12% of all adults living in the United States. The good news is that this number is actually much lower compared to what we had before, you know, 50, 60 years ago. And overall, the numbers have been steadily going down uh, more and more. So this is one of the all-time low numbers that we had, 12%. The number does vary from state to state. For example, we are in Ohio. Ohio does have one of the higher smoking rates in the country. That's about 20%. Our neighbor states, uh, West Virginia, Kentucky, they have a high uh, a prevalence of smoking among adults. They're, the number are around 23%. And one of the lowest is in Utah, that is about 5.6%. Yeah. Well, it's great to hear that at least there's been some movement down. I think for years now, everyone's heard, you know, please don't smoke, uh, smoking is bad for you. you know, for our audience, can you outline what some of the harms of cigarette smoking are? Well, there are so many harms. We can talk about this for a long time. And we can just start looking at the, the top reasons for, uh, of death in the United States. Six of them, you know, heart disease, cancer, a stroke, a lung disease, having an infection like influenza or pneumonia, and now uh, COVID-19, they're all associated with uh, smoking. For example, COVID-19, when someone smokes, the, the chance of, of having a severe form of infection and needing to be hospitalized or the risk of dying from COVID-19 is higher when someone smokes. I guess the, the opposite side of that question would then be for the audience. Okay, I've smoked. I, I know I'm at risk. What is the benefit to quitting at that point? Yeah, uh, and there are so many benefits. You know, if we had like a, a pill or a medicine that would help uh, decrease the chance of heart disease, decrease the chance of having a cancer, the, decrease the chance of having a stroke or, or a bad lung infection or a bad lung disease or, or just having a mild form of COVID-19 if someone got infected, that would be to help someone to quit smoking. So there are so many benefits, some benefits that someone can notice right away. And one of the most common things that, that I hear all the time is that once someone quits after a few days or sometimes in, in short weeks, 
they can smell again, they can taste food again, so things taste a, a lot better. And over the months and over the years, the, the chance of having those more long-lasting complications like heart disease, lung disease, and infections begin to, to uh, decrease as well. Oh, that's great. A lot of people know individuals who've tried to quit and haven't been successful. It's been difficult for them themselves to quit. What are some of the tools? What do you, how can you nowadays help someone to quit smoking? Well, when someone smokes, what happens is a dependence and addiction to nicotine. And that addiction is very strong and can be very difficult to treat. And that might take multiple attempts. You know, uh, relapses are certainly uh, expected, and we see that often. But it's important to remember that it's sooner the better once you make the decision, and it's never too late. So even if someone already has a heart disease or lung disease or suffering from another medical problem, it's never too late. They still have benefit from quitting. And there are different methods, there are different ways that, that we can help someone quit. We typically try to, to combine different things. Just using like a patch, for example, typically is not enough. You know, often we want to use a patch with a gum or a lozenge and combine that treatment with a patch and gum with something else, something that can support someone through the process, you know, having sometimes a, a coach helping troubleshoot problems that come along the way and sometimes thinking about therapies or treatments or activities that can help someone manage stress or uh, manage uh, weight gain or uh, any medical problem that, that can come along the way. So it's not like just one thing that can help someone. There's just multiple things. When someone is quitting and going through the process of uh, treating that, there are several changes that they have to do uh, in their life. Everything is a reminder, is a clue of smoking, for example, a cup of coffee, driving, or just talking on the phone, be close. So it does require someone to change several things in someone's life. So having that coaching, having something that they can use right away, like a, like a gum or lozenge, those, all those things are helpful. But there is no one size fits all, and that's why it's important for someone to see a clinician or uh, talk to their primary care physician or, or to a specialty clinic to see what are the best ways that someone can achieve that. Sometimes in, in clinic, we'll discuss smoking cessation with patients, and they, they seem genuinely interested, but, you know, they say, boy, you know, being referred to a program, I currently work, or I'm supporting family members at home, I, I don't have time, or the medicine, the aids that you might prescribe aren't covered by insurance, and, you know, I can't afford those. You know, what ways do you have to help people who you have those reasons for perhaps not making an attempt at quitting. Yeah, and, and it's so common for us to, to hear uh, all of that. You know, sometimes it's all of the above that is a reason, uh, like an obstacle or a challenge to someone quit. And on our side, at least for, for healthcare professionals, one of our goals is, is really to make uh, as easy as possible and as accessible as possible to, to help someone quit smoking. I'll say that when someone is a term, uh, is ready to, to quit, Look for the local resources. Talk to your primary care physician to see what is available. Uh, for example, here at the Cleveland Clinic, we offer office visits, but we also offer virtual visits. We, we offer telephone visits. And the virtual visits and telephones actually have been very popular because it bypasses the need to go to an office visit to talk about that. You can just talk to someone on the phone, go over the plan, and uh, you get a prescription you know, right away if there is something that would be helpful 
for, for someone to use. And we connect them to a program like our health coach uh, program and wellness program. So the key is really try to make everything as easy as possible and accessible uh, as possible to try to overcome all those obstacles. Oh, that's, that's great. Now, most people who smoke probably know somebody who vapes or uh, is telling them to try vaping instead of cigarettes. Can you help our audience understand, you know, what is vaping and how common is it? So vaping is uh, one word that really includes several different uh, devices and methods of using these devices. Vaping typically refers to the use of electronic cigarettes that they typically have a power component with a battery that hits this liquid up and they release this vapor. Technically, it's not a vapor, it's actually an aerosol. But, you know, it just got this, this nickname of vapor just because of the cloud that, that it creates. So vaping typically refers uh, to that, but includes different devices, different generations uh, of uh, these devices as well. And this is something that we're really concerned about because uh, it has been very popular over the last uh, few years. Uh, most of the products do contain nicotine at very high uh, levels. But nicotine is not the only product that we can find in these liquids. We can find THC, CBD, and synthetic cannabinoids and synthetic uh, nicotine products as well in these liquids. And what uh, we are seeing is that these devices have been very popular among young people, uh, teenagers, you know, uh, even uh, middle school students. They have been uh, exposed to that over the last few years, and it's highly addictive. So it is a concern. Interesting. With all these other chemicals in it uh, that are being breathed into the lungs, what, what do we know about the potential harms of vaping? It, when your patients ask you, is it safer than smoking cigarettes? How do you answer them? Yeah, so one of the main potential harms is addiction itself. Uh, addiction can cause so many symptoms like a lack of a concentration, a, a lack of focus can lead to mood swings, memory problems. So addiction itself is one of the greatest harms, uh, especially when we talk about nicotine-containing products because the, the dose of nicotine can be very high. Sometimes one cartridge of the uh, liquid or the juice may contain the same amount of a full pack of cigarettes and the speed that nicotine gets to the brain is faster when someone is vaping compared to, to smoking. And there are other harms that can be related to the lungs. And something that we saw three years ago in 2019, there was an outbreak of uh, many people needing to, to go to the hospital because they couldn't breathe. They had inflammation in the lungs. Nationwide, in a short period of time, there are more than 2,800 people who were hospitalized because of vaping, and a few dozen died during that time, and mostly related to respiratory problems. The, the reality is that those people were just the tip of the iceberg. There's definitely a, a spectrum of problems that someone can have from vaping, from just having mild symptoms like a mild cough, all the way to not being able to breathe and very severe inflammation in the lungs that it can cause even death. So uh, because of that and because of that outbreak and so many other things that we are seeing that a vaping can cause, uh, it's very hard to say that this is a, a safer alternative to smoke. So, you know, this is not something that we are ready to say right now just because all the problems that we are seeing uh, that are short-term problems and the potential for long-term problems. 
a question that I get all the time is about the long-term consequences that we see uh, from smoking, like developing a chronic lung disease like COPD or a heart disease or cancer. And those are things that took years and decades for us to learn and vaping will be the same thing. It will take a while for us to see if vaping is connected to these problems or not. Do we know yet if someone starts vaping, are they more likely to pick up cigarettes down the road? Or what do we know about the entry into uh, this pathway? Yeah, and, and this is something that we worry, especially because vaping is so popular among uh, teenagers. And uh, it is a gateway uh, to, to smoking because nicotine is so addictive that someone may switch from uh, electronic cigarette to smoking a regular uh, cigarette. I think a lot of the, the push, you know, initially for the electronic cigarettes was for that to become uh, an alternative to smoking. But when it comes to teenagers, they were not exactly switching. That was the first exposure to a nicotine product and at a high dose, at a very high speed to, to reach someone's brain, that can be very addictive. And it's, it's, it's possible that uh, they'll never switch to a regular cigarette, but they may stick to a vape or a specific electronic device, but that itself can be very harmful. So if somebody's listening today is convinced by your description of the harms of smoking and, and the benefits related to quitting smoking, what should they do? How can they access smoking cessation services? Say so the first thing is really talk to your doctor. You know, I hope that your family doctor, your primary care, uh, may know uh, resources that are local that you can uh, access. There are specialty clinics like we do have here at the Cleveland Clinic that someone uh, can access. The goal is really try to make very accessible and easy to get in and see someone and see what is available to help someone quit. If there's nothing around and if you don't know uh, what to do or, you know, you don't want to talk to your a doctor right now, you know, one resource that it, that is really available to everyone is, is that 800 number. You know, the uh, 800 quit now. It's uh, uh, now a nationwide uh, number and you can try to find what resources are available in your state or in your community. You may be eligible for free nicotine uh, products. So it's often a good start, you know, and, and see uh, what is available there. But you know, I'll, I'll say my advice is really uh, you can start with a doctor and see what is available uh, close to you and hope that there is a program uh, next to you that, that you can access. That's fabulous. So if I had to summarize and provide a few takeaways for our listeners, it sounds like there was some good news in that not as many people are smoking cigarettes, but the number is still large, 30 million people exposed to those harms of, of cigarette smoking. It sounded to me like there are a lot of proven tools, things that can help somebody to quit smoking. And one of the keys to your program in programs like yours is to make those as accessible and convenient for our patients as possible. And then finally, great education about what vaping is, how it's you know, delivering nicotine to the body in a different way. And just too soon to know all of the potential harms of vaping and therefore no real place at this time in your algorithm to get people to, to quit smoking. Anything else you want to make sure that our listeners uh, take away from, from this? Any other messages? 
I think that's exactly it. And over the last 50, 60 years, we learned a lot on how to help someone quit cigarettes. And we are in a very early stage of that with vaping. But uh, we are sticking with the tools that we know that are effective, that we know that are safe. But there's a lot, a lot more work to do to learn what can be even more effective and what other treatments we can use in the future. And I'm optimistic that uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see more of that in the next few years. That's fabulous. Hopefully uh, more and more people won't start and uh, we'll have more and more effective tools for those who do and we'll see this uh, public health issue end for everybody. Once again, I just want to thank Dr. Umberto Choi for sharing his expertise with us all today. Thanks very much, Umberto. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Respiratory Inspirations. For more stories and information from the Cleveland Clinic Respiratory Institute, you can follow us on Twitter at Clee Clinic Lungs or follow me at MD. Thank you.